Welcome to episode 156 of Tim Talk, the podcast about the DC animated universe co-created by Bruce Tim. I am Chris Lord. I'm Cameron Dexter. And uh, we are uh, picking up with season four of Static Shock. A couple good episodes right up at the top. Some Batman Beyonds, some Shebang. Uh, and of course, we're going to do our short list from season three since we didn't get a chance to last week. Um, but first, uh, what's happened in terms of entertainment news? Cameron, you, you had a few things you wanted to, uh, to chat about here. I did. Uh, so there's not a lot of Batman stuff going on. I think we, we've hit that lull in news at the moment because <clears throat> everything is ramping up to Comic-Con. Yeah, Comic-Con, uh, also holiday. Yeah, which is now three weeks away. Uh, so I have a little bit of Comic-Con news because mm-hmm. that's, you know, if this were normal times... That's all I'd be talking about right now. Yes. So I'm going to try and keep that the same. You would be uncontainable, and instead now you're inconsolable. Exactly. Uh, the the big uh, floods that have been happening in Huntington are just my tears. <laughs> wait, there are floods happening in Huntington? Oh, yeah. You didn't see that? It's bad. Like, wait, actual floods? Like water floods? Uh, yeah. Like the ocean is sinking the city. What? Yeah. Oh, I've missed this entirely. <laughs> uh, but I should probably look at real news at some point. It's it's been pretty. I mean, it's it's exactly how you'd expect like Californians to handle a flood. You have half the half the town trying to escape, and the other half is like, "How can we surf it?" Yeah, that's that sounds about right. Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, but for Comic Con, they uh. We've gotten a, a little bit of information on how they're going to set up the at-home experience this year. Uh, and funny enough, they're actually doing something that we talked about a few weeks ago on the podcast. Yeah. They released the map of the, the floor, so where all the booths are. And basically what they're going to do is that map will be interactive starting the 23rd. Uh, and so anyone that, if you have anything you want to buy, any of the exclusives you want to try and get your hands on, you can open the map and click on the booth for, you know, said company, small shop, artist alley creator, mm-hmm. uh, and they'll lead you straight to their, you know, Comic Con page. That's really cool. Like, I, I'm I'm really glad they ended up implementing that because, to your point, I think that is the the simplest, cleanest way to navigate that sort of space and not let things just get completely lost. Because otherwise if you don't have a a really clean map like that, it's just going to be gravitating towards the biggest possible vendors and biggest possible like artists. Right. And I'm sure there'll be also be like an alphabetical list somewhere on the side, uh, which I think they shouldn't do because you should, you should have to deal with the chaos that is the Comic-Con map. You only want it to be uh, so helpful. You you still want a little bit of that holdover of just the, the madness. I, I, yeah, I think that people who have been to Comic-Con and know the floor map should have like a small advantage. Because people who have never been, you don't know how complicated the floor is. And it's it's a linear left to right map. There There's nothing, you know, crazy about it. But there's just so much to look at. It's so hard to understand, like, okay, well, where is, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to get to Marvel. Where is Marvel? It's in the middle, but I don't know where the middle is. Like, I feel like it, it is a mile-long floor for people who have never been. It is exactly one mile from end to end. It is nuts. Like, yeah. But, I mean, that, that is kind of part of 
the the fun of it though is just like navigating the space and walking around and like just getting distracted by stuff at booths or amazing costumes and maybe like running into people you know like mm-hmm. yeah that that to me is like the only part i'm re- okay i'm gonna miss that and then i'm just gonna miss all of like the frivolity that happens around san diego at the same time yeah i mean it's so energetic yeah it really is oh damn it now i'm sad <laughs> i don't know maybe maybe they'll have like a lot of people have been like poking jokes at how they can bring that experience back in mm-hmm. and like they'll have like i mean i mean they might they might even do this just because of the sheer number of people that are going to be trying to access the website they might have a queue just to get into the floor page yeah it's like you would normally have of waiting in line i i feel like the way they should do it is it should be um like queue optional like if you're really there to just you know go in and get something real quick that it's totally fine um you can just go and buy whatever you want but you can also like select the queue version which no matter what you're trying to get into it makes you wait for an hour and then it just yeah. randomly uh like puts you on a zoom call with two other people in the line and just you have to either like say nothing and awkwardly not talk or try and strike up a conversation i would honestly i would love that that thing because it's it's the joke that people have been saying for airlines for a while mm-hmm. like there needs to be an option of if i want a silent row or a talkative row yes yeah uh it's yeah, like, the, like the new version of smoking non-smoking yeah talking like and non-talking at the top of the website oh i would always like, opt for the non-talking i'm like don't bother I, I i keep plenty of entertainment on me at all times yeah oh yeah. same yeah I've, I've loaded up my ipad with the greatest martin scorsese films <laughs> just good fellas it's just yes you know I, I really want to experience the way it was meant to be seen yes so on a small screen in the air <laughs> exactly when i can't escape yes uh but i do like that idea of having like a checkbox in the corner of this of the landing page um that like as you're kind of moving your cursor through it's like a window will pop up yeah you know to see someone have like a really i don't know how they would make it safe but like have a team up with chat roulette mm-hmm. a crossover yeah oh god that'd be so unsafe yeah, now that I think about it, I really now I don't want it. Yeah, because <laughs> I think about like, look, I will say this: I've never had a bad interpersonal experience at Comic Con. Like, I, I generally cannot think of a time when I actually had like a bad interaction with someone. Like, everyone I've ever interacted with there has been like, at, at the worst, just like totally fine, and you can just you know whatever and then at the best like someone's actually really cool and love to talk to you like you make friends and end up like hanging out with strangers and like stay in contact and stuff so like there's all that but also it has the added benefit of people having to be like in a very public social space so they're on their semi-best behavior (laughs) i do not expect that to carry over to the internet i've been yelled at a couple times i uh for for what what did you get yelled at for i think the probably the worst interaction i had was was like it's understandable. It was in it was in the Hall H Q. Uh and I was waiting. I don't remember what panel it was, but it was when I was still going with my mom. Mm-hmm. And uh oh it was it was back when like service uh, service still wasn't great, but it was like when service was really bad. Yeah. Uh and like phones just didn't work at all. So she had come to the side of the queue as I was about to enter the, the Hall H mm-hmm. area. And she was just like, hey, I'm going to go drop everything off at the hotel. 
uh like meet me back there when you're done you know just like yeah like getting just stuff a, planned a quick out message yeah and so i said okay and then i like run to get back to my spot and some guy sees me some guy also in line and just starts berating me like this kid i was young i was like 14 like this kid just cut in line he hasn't been here the whole time like someone get him out of here and it's like screaming like top of his lungs at me mm-hmm. and i'm like i've been here just as long as you have actually longer because i'm actually in front of you uh and luckily like someone in front of me like uh so you know backed me up it's like no he's been here like we've, we've been sitting in line together for two hours yeah um uh, I mean, that's that's the problem with Comic-Con is that sometimes it brings out unreasonable ire at children. Yeah. I, I do love, though, that as you tell the story, you you have, in fact, become the very thing you once hated. Mr. So mad at a seven year old for getting Ryan Reynolds Green Lantern ring. Yeah, but I wasn't I didn't do anything to deserve this. That kid <laughs> asked a question he shouldn't have <laughs> been allowed to ask. There are rules about this, Chris. Uh huh. Uh huh. And I was 14. I wasn't seven. Right. Yes. That's just, the difference. That's, that's the difference. Somehow your situation is even more unreasonable. Yes. <laughs> he had no reason. And I didn't act. I, I bottled that anger up like an adult. <laughs> like a grown American man. Like, yeah. I bottled it up and, and sank it to the bottom of a whiskey bottle. Yes. <laughs> to let it come out in unhealthy expressions later on in life. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh, no, that's how it's supposed to be done. Well, I'm I'm glad Comic Con is going to provide you with uh, a facsimile, at least, of your your best and worst experiences there when in person. But hey, we're still getting some stuff. Uh, we're getting an animated movie that you were super excited about. We are. Uh, so it's it's a unique crossover of all of our interests. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, so there's a trailer that came out for a Scooby Doo direct to video movie coming out. Uh, called Scooby-Doo's Halloween or something something like that. Great news reporting, Cameron. <laughs> yep, nailing it. This is why you usually run the news section. Yes, I know. Uh, but the reason, besides the fact that it's Scooby-Doo and I'm talking about it, uh, the reason you let me talk about it <laughs> uh, is the main villain of this movie is going to be Scarecrow, Jonathan Crane. Yes. Uh, from Batman. Uh, so just just to list off the few people they've announced for the movie already it's scooby-doo is teaming up with elvira mm-hmm. to stop the scarecrow while they have bill nye coming in as a cameo to kind of play like q from james bond yeah like he he shows up and gives them like a brand new like super high-tech mystery machine yeah it's kind of weird but i mean i'm pumped it's it's gonna be as as like trashy and fanboy as it can be and i'm so excited yeah, I mean, it, it looks generically entertaining. It is a weird intersection of different, uh, like, characters that I was not expecting. Like, when you text me about it, I was like, okay, Scooby-Doo Halloween. But wait, starring Elvira Elvira's and is, like, making a, a, a weird comeback right now. So I, I forgot to uh, plug this last week, but I actually watched her first movie, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, um, from mid to late 80s. Uh, mm-hmm. I watched it last weekend it's actually really good like i yeah. I never really know i've never really known anything about her like character other than just like the, the that persona exists um but her sense of humor is like super dry and like just like 
teetering on the edge of inappropriate. Like a lot of stuff she says, like accidental double entendres. It's a really fun, goofy, really charming movie. Um, and made me like instantly fall in love with her. So like, I'm kind of excited for her to now be in a Scooby-Doo movie, which I feel like maybe has happened before in the past. Although I don't know. Uh, cause I, I brought the story up to you, but I'll share it with the world. Uh, back in the sixties, my mom used to, uh, they would have, you know, kind of, uh, national shows kind of like the, I don't think it was El- Elvira exactly, but it was an Elvira type character that was kind yeah. of host a, a midnight movie marathon. Um, but before that show, a lot of stations would have a local version of it <clears throat> on the side. And my mom worked on one of the local versions. She was the, um, basically like the magician's assistant kind of character. That's fantastic. Uh, yeah. in a local version of Elvira. Uh, and I found one of the episodes and it was very funny. Did you find her? I did. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, and mom, I'm, I'm sorry to say this on the air. You are you are not an actress. <laughs> uh, well, don't worry, Cindy. I won't put it in the show notes. But Cameron, you must send this to me. Yes, I will. I'll find it again. But I have a question for you in regards to the Scooby Doo movie. Okay. So, I we seem to be seeing an increasing trend here of Scooby Doo properties. So you know, obviously Scoob, which was intended as a theatrical release, and then a lot of their direct DVD stuff capitalizing on other existing ip do you feel like maybe warner brothers lacks faith in scooby-doo as an ex- like as its own ip and that's why they're constantly pairing it up with other stuff uh that's a good question uh i mean because there's always been a history of scooby-doo having guest stars going way back to like you know the, the scooby-doo movies in yeah the, the scooby movies of the 70s in, yeah but it seems like that's like all the scooby-doo stuff now has some other element to it outside of just scooby and the gang um uh, let me See, because I remember the last, the last one I remember popping up was when they team up with John Cena. Further proving my point. <laughs> yes. Uh, Happy <laughs> Halloween, Scoob. Uh, I I think, I think there are other Scooby Doo properties that still exist, and um, they're just kind of overshadowed by the ones that like the the ones that have guest stars are just more popular. I mean, to be fair, there is a whole series called Scooby-Doo and Guess Who. <laughs> so I'm thinking maybe... They, wow, they put out... They, they've been consistently putting out two animated movies a year since 2012. No, wow, even further back. How do you not know all of this? Since 2010, there's been two Scooby-Doo direct-to-video movies a year. Cameron, you're like the, the Scooby-Doo expert. Apparently not. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently I missed a lot. I feel like the foundations of your persona are crumbling underneath you as we do this podcast. Like Look, you, you... I've, I've, I've brought this up many a time that I'm not a like, I'm not an, a, a well-versed Scooby-Doo fan. I'm just a very eccentric Scooby-Doo fan. <laughs> You're a very passionate Scooby-Doo fan. Yes. As, as anyone who, who made it through our Scoob episode would know. <laughs> so what is Scooby-Doo and Guest Who? They had Kevin Conroy was on an episode. They as himself? Sherlock Holmes. No, as, as, as Batman. Oh. I feel like Kevin Conroy should just get some love as Kevin Conroy. This is, they have a weird collection. Okay, yeah, these, these are starting to make sense. So Batman was on, Sherlock Holmes was on, Abraham Lincoln was on, Fantastic. voiced by John DiMaggio. That's great. That is a uh, good shout. And then the, the as themselves are Jim Gaffigan, 
Richie Gervais, <laughs> Whoopi Goldberg, Halsey, the singer, uh, Bill Nye, Chris Paul, Penn and Teller, Sia, George Takei, that one's good. Yeah. Wanda Sykes, Keenan Thompson, Neil deGrasse. Uh, Weird Al Yankovic, fuck yeah. Steve Buscemi. Steve Buscemi as himself. What the holy hell? Jeff Foxworthy? Jeff, D- Jeff Dunham, Jeff Foxworthy, Christian Slater, Malcolm McDonald. Or sorry, Malcolm McDowell. Oh my god. Wow. I'm glad to see that Scooby-Doo has still got their, their finger They're on the 18. pulse of pop culture here. Yeah. <laughs> that, is a, that is a wide range. You know what? I think if we guests. had been keeping up with all the Scooby-Doo movies from the, you know, the last few years, we would have been less surprised by the really outdated um, Simon Cowell reference in Scoob. Yeah. It would have made a lot a more, little sense. more sense. Because <laughs> these... these for for a time frame, because a lot of these sound like oh they, they these episodes probably aired in like 2014 or 2013. No, these these are 2019 episodes. Yep. Yep. These came out last year, fresh off the press. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Well, you know what? You and I will still be here for it. We both love Scooby Doo. Oh, and then sorry, the other fictional characters they have Steve Urkel. Oh god, uh, damn the it. Flash, Wonder Woman, Magilla Gorilla, uh, and the Funky Phantom. Uh, maybe they should just stop. They shouldn't. Keep going. Never <laughs> stop. Never give up. Never surrender. Exactly. Uh, all right. Well, shall we uh, wrap up some news here and move on to our, our season three shortlist? Uh, let's do it. Okay. All right. So uh, from the top, going through season three, episode one, Hard as Nails, uh, which was the appearance of Poison Ivy and Harley Quinn. And of course, Batman and Robin. Cameron, was that a yes or a no for you? Of course, Yes. Okay, good. It was also yes for me. I was worried I was going to have to defend myself on this one. No, that episode is amazing. Yeah, it is an amazing episode. And also, I would say it is, um, let's claim it's critical canonically because it uh, verifies that Batman knows who Virgil is and vice versa. Yeah. Which comes fair. briefly comes into play in the next episode we're going to cover. So, mm-hmm. ha! It's canon. It has to be in there. I mean, most of these are yeses. This yeah. Season is so uh, episode two, Gear, Introduction of, of Gear. Of course yeah obviously has to be in there for very very clear reasons uh episode three static in africa absolutely yeah i mean i think we even said it was the best episode of the series so far so mm-hmm. clearly it's gonna be and i there. you know i'll i might still stand by it i think it is still the best episode we've had uh i would actually think that's a fair that's a fair comment so i agree with that all right uh episode four shebang yes yes a necessary episode introduction of shebang yeah. i know she's not your favorite character she's also really not my favorite character but she she does have repeated episodes. She she has enough appearances that you have to include her introductory episode. And I also think it's important for her to be included because as we'll get to, she's not always given enough credit. Yeah. So oh, yeah. Uh all right, episode five, the usual suspect. That's the no. Yeah, that's that's the one where um Virgil suspects that the monster terrorizing the town is this one person. Turns out it's his bitter ex-girlfriend. Yeah, it's the the big bully who just came from Juvie. Yeah, uh, hard pass on that one as well. Uh, a League yes. of Their Own, parts one and two. Yes. Abso-fucking-lutely must be included. Um, all right, episode eight, Showtime. No. I gave that a no as well. Absolutely. That was, that was the... Um, is that AJ and Coolio? Uh... That was the oh, was that Which one? one? Showtime. No, Showtime was the one where they have the reality TV show. Oh yeah, no, fuck that. Yeah, I, it, it introduces the uh, oh Bernie Rast. Yeah, 
but I do love him as a character, but we still we we can find another way to keep him in with all getting rid of this. So that's a hard yeah. pass on Showtime. All right, episode nine consequences. Uh, I said I said yes. I honestly forget what this episode's about. I'm having a look. At that's it. the one oh. where Daisy gets a concussion. I'm gonna say no. Falls into a coma. Why? Why you do you no? say yes? Because I think it's. Imp- I mean, uh, okay. I, I'm, now, I'm thinking back on it. Let us not forget here, Cameron. You are the stickler when it comes to the rules. Either it has am, to be an I exceptional the, episode, or it has to be a canonically critical one. Is this canonically? Episode, I I think it does. It should. Here's the problem. I'm thinking of what it should be and what it is. Yeah, there we go. And it it, it should have played a bigger part in in Virgil's like professionalism as a hero, mm-hmm. or his relationship with Daisy, or his relationship with Daisy slash Frida. Uh, it doesn't really yeah, do either. You're right. It, it is a no because it, it doesn't really change anything from beginning to end. Nope. Let's cut it out of there. Don't need it. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, episode 10, Romeo in the mix. Of course. Yes. It is the most canonically necessary <laughs> episode. I, yeah. I What I think it's actually legitimately fun. I think we even said it's the best cameo episode they've had um considering that you uh remove static shack from the the list from the short oh, but don't list. worry in i think in two weeks we're getting the real static shack episode the one where he's still not in it the one where he's definitely in it although wait hang on hang on i'm looking back at our old list i think we included static shack in our short list yeah, because I was, I was not—I wasn't gonna not let people watch Static Shack. Are you sure? Because you've turned a corner on that one, and you're very have, anti-Static people, Shack people now. People need to uh, understand where I'm coming from, Cameron. The most significant character arc you've gone through on this podcast was your like undenying love of Static Shack to your For absolute years. hatred of it. For years, I—I I think I. I brought up static shack back when we were still on like the animated series i'm pretty sure you brought this up on our first episode but like can we just skip forward through all of batman all of superman just to get to static shack yes i think at the time you would have been satisfied if we'd only done one episode of this podcast and it had been yes, static the first shack. shack cameo in the dcau yes the first of so so many um but no we definitely have to include Romeo in the mix it is a super fun episode um yeah, it's a lot. Of, it's a great one. All right, uh, number eleven, Trouble Squared. Uh, no. Oh, absolutely I hate not. These guys. One of the worst episodes in the entire series. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is when uh, Specs and Trapper come back. Yes. Yeah, uh, and, and it, it like it should probably be considered important because it it touches on what happened to Edwin Alva, but nothing actually happens of consequence for him or his son throughout the course of that episode. So, yeah, and I think we have one more episode with Alva Junior. I think okay, yeah. So I'm sure it's gonna matter somewhere down the line, but. It doesn't matter here. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Number 12, Toys in the Hood with yes. Superman and Toy Man. Absolutely have to include that. Super fun episode uh, and also canonically important. It is. All right. Episode 13. We learned that he can't manipulate plastic. Yeah. I mean, we, we already knew that. Did we, though? Well, he can sometimes. He can't other times. Yeah. <laughs> it's very unclear. Uh, number 13, The Parent Trap. No. I also said no, because I don't think anything happens in that episode that is necessary for the next time we see Shebang. Other than Static saying, you're welcome to join us anytime. And even then, that could have just been like a throwaway line. Yeah. You don't need a whole shit episode to include it. Okay. Even, I mean, oh, but, but, Chris, it is, we do see a character from the intro. And I think if we don't have this episode, there's going to be too many questions of, 
who is this random guy who can departicleize a car? Don't care. Don't care. No, uh, you don't. But what, what about the fans? I really don't think the fans care either, Cameron. <laughs> Fine, we'll, I, we'll keep it as a no. T- to your criteria, it is not canonically critical. Uh, also, do cons- you not think the intro is canonical? Um, I mean, it is, but also I bet a lot of people skip it. I mean, there are monsters for doing so because it's the greatest cartoon intro of all time, considering the theme song. Mm-hmm. But no, not canonically critical. Uh, episode fourteen flashback. Yes. Yeah, obviously. Why'd you say that with such chagrin? Because it hurts every time I think about it. I know, but it's such a beautiful episode. It is. Yeah, absolutely need to include that one. Um, And then, of course, episode 15, Blast from the Past. Absolutely. Yes, I also gave that a yes. Uh, Super fun episode. Uh, You know, we we really wish there was more more soul power over the course of DCAU. And it's Um, canonical in this episode. That's true, it is. Um, wait, this might be the first time you and I have basically agreed on everything. Yeah. I mean, it, it's pretty easy to when every episode is, is, there's no like meh episodes of this season. They're all just either really good or just like bad, bad, flat out bad. Yeah. Uh, yep. All right. So that being said, the season three shortlist, which is actually pretty long, all things considered is hard as nails gear static in Africa shebang a league of their own parts one and two romeo in the mix toys in the hood flashback and blast in the past giving us 10 of the 15 episodes i think that's our most positive list so i mean maybe new batman was was pretty positive yeah i i've kept track of some of them not all of them (laughs) um yes a new batman adventures we had 12 of how many uh i don't 15 16 i don't remember i i think i i will i will double check on this and report next week but i'm pretty sure up to this point um that might be the most episodes of a single season we've included on something um although i'm looking back at this batman beyond season two had 11 episodes which is pretty long on our list so I don't know. We'll check back in. Wow, I must have been a real stickler for for new Batman adventures. I think it was you being a real stickler and me fighting super hard for some things. Like, mm-hmm. uh, for example, Terry's friend dates a robot and the egg baby are both on there. So I'm pretty sure that was me fighting really hard for episodes that I thought were really fun. Yeah, probably. <laughs> further cementing my status as the villain of the podcast all right well since we're done with season three now why don't we uh mosey on to season four here starting off with future shock i i just before we get started with this we we have entered the final season of static indeed we have and i i got a little emotional when i started watching these episodes because i'm like i've been looking forward to this show for three years yeah getting ready on this podcast i know and and we we're coming to we're coming to the finish line. We are getting and, close. We're getting very very close here. But uh, yeah, I, I'm looking forward at the the episodes we have. There's some some damn good stuff. I in think here. honestly, I think every episode this season is a banger. Yeah, I mean we got coming up here. So even just next week is going to be out of Africa, the return of um, Anansi. Anansi. We're also going to get uh, the Green Lantern episode. Yep. Um, we got another episode with Edwin Alva coming up, the Hoop Squad episode. 
Shaq part two. Yep. Oh, but guess what, Cameron? There's an episode with the return of Specs and Trapper. Son of a bitch. And it's it's is called it really? Where the Rubber Meets the Road, which makes me think it's probably a rubber band man episode. Oh, is that um yes, no, that that's a good episode. That that's the uh, dyslexia episode. It's a good episode despite the inclusion of Specs and Trapper. Yeah, because it's it's like a good rubber band man episode. Okay. All right. But you know, there there's some um, some good stuff coming up here. I think it's gonna be a pretty damn good season for us. Mm-hmm. Um but I mean it I think it starts out pretty damn strong here. I mean we we've seen over the course of almost the entire series. So uh, of the the four season premieres, excluding the original one, everyone has included a crossover, um, a Batman crossover specifically. So they're clearly trying to use that to, uh, to push forward their, their opening numbers here. Um, but this time around, it's a uh, static Batman and Robin capture a villain named Timecode, who is offering to send criminals into the future. And while analyzing his device in the Batcave, Static accidentally gets sent into the future of Batman Beyond, where he teams up with Terry to save his future self from the villainous Cobra. I, I, I love Timecode's concept. <laughs> it is a good idea. I kind of wish we got more from him, actually. Yeah, I, I tried to see if he was in anything else, and not really. He, he's kind of similar to, I, I think his name is Time Freak. Who's the time villain from, from Teen Titans? I don't remember. Kronos? No, because Kronos is the villain from Justice League Unlimited, the the once in future thing. Warp. His name is just Warp. Uh, but no, like it, it's an interesting idea with time code. I feel like maybe he is that alone, though. It's just an interesting idea. Like, I don't know if an episode... I don't know. I mean, would do you think there's an interesting episode to be made about them traveling through time to try and, like bring villains back a hundred percent yeah absolutely i mean i think not into the future but if you made like a i don't i don't know if it would fit the comedy of any of the dcau but if you had like that that idea for teen titans or teen titans go i think would would fit it best Mm -hmm. we have like joker flung to the renaissance messing up all the paintings Okay, yeah, I, I think I see what you mean. Maybe a show that has more whimsy and could do some more you, you meta. You need something where, yeah, where it can have, like, a musical number attached to this. Not not a musical number, sorry. Like, like a fun pop um, <laughs> montage attached to this sequence. I th- Are you just basically thinking of the time travel sequence from Teen Titans Go to the Movies? Potentially, but now <laughs> with, with the Batman to Rogue's Gallery. Because I do, like, I am thinking of, like, a great scene where Joker just has a paintbrush and just painting over every, you know, he's just, like, going through uh, Da Vinci's uh, workshop and just painting on top of everything. Cameron, now you're just thinking of the museum sequence from the 89 Batman movie. No, no, no. Are you I, it's, sure? It's animated. And I'm trying to think where the other villains can go. Cameron. Are you sure you're not just thinking of a live action movie and in your head animating it because you see the world in animation? I do. I so. very much do. I'm honestly, I'm thinking of Time Squad yes. and just how can we shoehorn in? Because what other villains you can have Control Freak jumping back to like the early 90s and being very angry because like everything takes so much longer. <laughs> Wait, which one's Control Freak? Control Freak is the. Um, He's the Teen Titans villain. He okay, wait, okay, two- stop. Okay, hang on, hang on. 
How would you make this work in the DCAU? You can't just keep pulling Teen Titans fine, villains. Fine, 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 fine. This is not yet Titans talk. You're right. Okay. The inevitable spinoff. Um, like, are there any... Okay, so, like, so you have an episode built around time zone. So either it's... They're chasing him through time, or they have to go and retrieve someone he has sent into the future. So uh, even of those two premises, which one do you, to you seems more interesting? Okay. Okay. Here's, here's my pitch for you, Chris. Okay. Um, is it a two parter? Of course it's a two parter. (laughs) Not only is it a two parter, (laughs) it is based off of, uh, one of your favorite sequels. Okay. We have a mobster back to the future part two episode. Okay. Where someone, one of the villains, it can be like Falcone, um, uh, Alva, any any one of the. I mean, you, you can throw in any villain here. Specs and Trapper. Specs and Trapper are they get a hold of Time Code's uh, ability, go into the past, change it, and as kind of like Batman and Static kind of jump in the portal. They're in the time bubble where they remember their reality, but are instantly snapped to the branch reality, the Biff, the Biff reality. So we're now Specs and Trapper rule Dakota City. I, I, I am. God, what a horrifying thought. I, I am going to going to stop you there because we already had an episode. Where they go back. I in know. Time I know. I just remembered and, that and we've established at least within the static shock rules of time travel that um, it is like the, the predestination version of time travel where they but always maybe went that back was only her power. Maybe that was only her version of time travel. So I think that the difference here is it has to be an episode where they leap forward into the future to differentiate a little bit, right? Okay. That's his whole point is I think the like, look, and this is obviously they created this character of time code just to justify doing a Batman Beyond crossover power to him. But I would also argue that they want to do this to one differentiate it from going to the past, which they've already done, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I also think that the in-universe logic is that you could send someone into the future and it wouldn't change reality up till now. Yeah, and and I, I guess going back to your point of like everything is already set, you know, the, everything is predestined in time. Yeah. Because you you have present static meet present static meeting meeting future static, and he's like cool as a fucking cucumber about it, probably because he already knows it's gonna happen because he's already remembered it. But that also means gears gears inevitably gonna become fat, which is I think which is pretty sad. I think we already knew that was gonna happen though. Did we though? Have we seen Richie's diet habits over the course of this show? Yeah, but that's every cartoon character from the early two thousands. Yeah, but this you is either a realistic portrayal of what happens, or you were a vegetarian, i.e., Sam and Tucker from Danny Phantom. Of course, um, no, like this, or uh, Ron from Kim Possible. Is he a vegetarian? No, but he only eats trash. He eats the Nako. Oh, that's right. He always eats the Nako. But do we the see a future nacho. version of him where he's super fat? Uh, no, because their version of time travel is um, not set in stone. Because you have a Stitch in Time, which is an amazing three-part episode. Not a decom, as I found out recently. Stitch in Time, not a decom. It's a three-part episode. They bundled up as a movie. They played in a decom time slot. Wait, so Cameron, hang on. Over, over the course of this episode, you've revealed that you had a misunderstanding <laughs> of Scooby-Doo lore. 
yep. a misunderstanding of Kim Possible lore. And I seem to recall you also had trouble remembering some specific elements of a Teen Titans episode. Are you sure you're okay? What did I not understand about a Teen Titans episode? I don't know. Maybe I'm misremembering. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I, I, I was pinpoint accurate. Let me double check that was episode two. <laughs> hold on. Teen Titans episodes. All because I'm saying they, is I'm a little worried about you. I'm, I'm off my game right now. Clearly. It's the first episode of season two. God damn it. How long is forever? Oh, man. Because they're, she's trying to celebrate, well, like, Flocknar. So, um, further proving my point, are you doing okay? No. Blorthog <laughs> is, is the holiday. is the friendship holiday. All right. Uh, also, I love that you could, we could basically do a whole spinoff podcast just talking about the different versions of time travel established in all the different forms of kids cartoons that exist like yes you could do a whole podcast just on the one-off episodes of kids cartoons that involve time travel and shows that are otherwise not about time travel i'm trying i i weirdly don't think that kids next door ever had a time travel episode well we'll double check that off air yeah <laughs> lest we keep getting distracted okay yeah we'll actually talk about future talk now i guess yeah Okay, so, but um, I actually, like, I think that they they undercapitalized on the idea of time code, but I, like I said, I don't think he was ever going to be more than just an idea. But, I mean, it's a pretty good excuse to, like, fling him into the future. Um, yeah. And, like, I thought they did a pretty good job of, um, like, making him understand, like, a bit of a fish-out-of-water situation, also making Terry very distrusting of him. Terry was so mean this episode it's kind of interesting because it actually really subverts the typical terry bruce dynamic because bruce is normally the one who's like very cautious and suspicious and you know terry's the one who's a little more willing to be open-minded and 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 trust someone or something that maybe they shouldn't whereas Mm -hmm. this time around it's you know bruce obviously has a trust of static because he's known him for 40 plus years at this point he knew this event was going to happen yeah yeah terry's kind of a dick but also maybe not entirely unjustified in being frustrated by like this kid following him around. Cause he's never had a sidekick. I, I think it's interesting going from Robin, who's like hinting at the idea that brick, that, that Bruce is a dick Yeah. to Terry. Who's just immediately hardened. Yeah. It's like, Oh, this is the future. Like, Oh, this makes sense. This is what Robin turns into. Well, and I, I guess it also makes sense too, because Bruce at that point is so much, worse essentially than he is um you know at this point so far in the dcau i mean even where he ends in justice league unlimited you have to imagine that beyond what we see in the over the course of the series there's other things that really harden him even further and i I suppose you could say that the events like making him sing on stage what like making him sing on yes exactly Um, that that can ruin any any good man that's true that ruin anybody but the, yeah, he's even more hardened and um, bitter. And so as a result, I think that affects Terry. And I, I also think Terry just comes in from a more cynical place, too, than either um, Dick or Tim or, or even Barbara. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, they, they don't necessarily trust each other. And it's interesting because there's almost this idea running through the episode about mentorship a little bit. You know, it's like Static makes a comment to Robin about how lucky he is to have 
Batman there to be a, a mentor and a guide and how much he wishes he had one. Mm-hmm. But I feel like they didn't really do anything with that idea. They didn't really feel like there was ever any like character arc built into it or even a button on that concept to really give it a payoff. Yeah, I, I did. I absolutely loved the moment where Terry uses the headset to talk to Bruce and static wires himself in. Oh yeah. That was pretty good. Uh, but no, that, that is a good point. Like I guess like static seeing his future self was supposed to be the button of like, that's his mentor is himself. I guess. Yeah. I guess even like, but I also like we're thinking on this episode, this was, this was my first time seeing Batman beyond. Oh, um, well, that's right. You didn't back, watch back it when it day. aired. I didn't. So this was my very first experience to Terry. Do you, and re- I, do you remember I, that experience? Like what was your thought? Uh, I, I honestly didn't remember much about Terry. I just remembered future static. And I thought that he played a much bigger part of the episode, not 45 seconds. I think you were also thinking of, um, his appearance in, I appreciate the episode's called The Once and Future Thing. Yes, just, um, yeah, JLU. The JLU, because I was also thinking about that, because I remember the, the old version of Static, I remember, is like old Static. Yeah. Um, that's what I was expecting to see no, here. I, no, I, I remember this one, because it's, it's, it's him coming out of the bubble. Yeah, when he's like... I remember. He's like full daddy Static mode? Yeah. Oh. oh. Did you, did, have we talked about Dream Daddy? Do you know that game? Uh, do I want to? <laughs> yes, you do, because I think it's a game right up your alley. It's so dumb and it's so funny. Uh, you are a single dad that just moved into a new neighborhood, uh, and you are trying to hook up with all of the other dads. Oh my god! And I think it. I I think I have heard about this because it kind of sounds familiar, but I clearly it's, have not explored this enough. Yeah, there there's a a, a genre that I don't think it really taken off in america at all which are dating simulators which are huge in japan yeah and it's a daddy dating simulator Wait, so you, you have like your your harem of other dads that you meet through like your kid's school and you get to pick which one you want to court oh my god this is amazing yeah how have i not played this i accidentally brought it up on a brainstorm meeting a few weeks ago. Because <laughs> uh, I'm, work- I'm working with a, a gaming company right now to help with their social campaigns. Uh, and, they, and they're like, oh yeah, what are some like, games we can, we can focus on for this, for this idea? And I'm like, oh, we can like, bring in Dream Daddy. And like, the, the what? And I'm like, oh, oh no, I just have, I have to explain this professionally. <laughs> I'm so proud of you, Cameron. <laughs> yep. It's amazing I still have a job. Did, did, you, did you have, what did you say when you explained it? Oh, uh, pretty much just that, that it's, it's a, a dating simulator where you're a daddy trying to get other daddies. <laughs> um, but I, de- okay, I'm definitely have to go play this game. But, uh, what I was going to say is, um, daddy static, totally working for me. Oh yeah. Yes. <laughs> hey, you know, if you got like, Phil Lamar and like full on like like macho gruff voice going on too. I'm just like yes, everything about this. And I and I think part of the reason I was particularly into it is because I was expecting the really old version. I was expecting like Gramps Static from the Once a Future thing. Yeah, so he he would be fifty five. 
Yeah. In this version, yeah. 55. Yeah, he's looking good. He's looking very good for 55, let me just say. Yeah. Uh, also, a character that clearly a lot of rough shit happens between this and the next time we see him in the future. Mm-hmm. Like, some, something bad happens to him, because he has aged a lot uh, yeah. in that period of time. But yeah, uh, Daddy Static, totally working for me. But yeah, I guess, like, his last line was some of the lines of, like, just, you know, do what you're doing and believe in yourself, more or less. So yeah. I, I guess that was the overall arc there it just, it just felt yeah, like, it was like you don't need a mentor like you're doing fine on your own yeah it just felt a little maybe a little bit underbaked um for what i think could yeah have been I, an, I agree an interesting idea oh i was gonna say I, I loved um static asking terry like oh where is everyone else like who else can we get to help us with this oh yeah um when he said robin's a civilian mm-hmm. the league is off near alpha centauri which to be i i want to bring this up it is not hard alpha centauri is 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 far for us as humans in this reality yes but for the justice league who constantly spanned the other side of the galaxy yeah. green lantern specifically goes to multiple galaxies you know within a day mm-hmm. getting back from alpha centauri is probably like what an hour two hour ride true who knows how fast space travel would even be back then or in that future true but maybe you know maybe they're not paying attention to comms Maybe they're in the middle of like some insane humanitarian crisis. And would it still be a humanitarian crisis if there's no humans? Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> you pedantic. <laughs> I'm just saying that saying they're on Alpha Centauri doesn't mean anything. Because that's like saying they're, you know, stuck in traffic. All right. Well, why don't you go ahead and like send a tweet to Stan Berkowitz, the writer of this, and, and let him know your thoughts on Alpha Centauri I will. geography. I ask him, sir, how long does it take for the delete to get from Earth to Alpha Centauri? I love that we got a chance to see the the future version of the the gas station. Yeah, that was great. They got like a a full on upgrade. Um, I also love. Yeah, and who the- is Terry to like Terry again being just a, an asshole this episode like putting him down for their hideout being in a gas station. I'm sorry, Terry, what would you be doing if you didn't have the mansion? Yeah. It's not even his mansion. Yeah. He's just a freeloader. Yeah. You live in an apartment with your mom. Yeah. At least, at least Virgil has a, has a house. Yeah. I say here sitting in my apartment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) But no, it's like, it was fun to see like what, the future holds for them okay so so here's here's my thing so you have the idea of the future set in stone mm-hmm. is it now virgil's comment that rich needs to watch his weight that puts him in this spiral oh of, of trying so many fad diets fearing his future self that causes him to turn into fat richie i think it is is this now future virgil is this now future batman's fault it is, yeah. You, yeah. Static comes back and causes Richie to get fat. Yeah. Wow. What a what a bad friend. Yeah. Because he, uh, Rich, Virgil makes him aware and now insecure about his eating habits. Yeah. And what do you do when you're when you're sad about your eating habits? You probably just eat more. You just eat, you just eat more and more. That's what I do. Also, and I, I know, I know this is bad. Um, in in my head canon, uh, this version of Richie never gets a chance to come out, and that's why he's like so fat and sad in the future. Oh, yeah, just like, like the saddest possible option. But yeah, that's that's my reason. I mean, this is this is two thousand two future, so 
Yeah, I, I you're not you're not, <laughs> not too too off. No, I don't think it ever happens. Sadly, um, I did love they had a run in with the Jokers, just because mm-hmm. one, it's always fun to see them, and two, I love the Jokers actually were using a giant anvil as a weapon. Yeah, just, I, that, I love that they found that was a, that was a fun fight. Yeah, the anvil. You have the acid pie. Mm-hmm. You had those weird inventions that look just like gears springs. Uh, yeah, they they they're almost toy man esque because they were like yeah they were kind of like not quite slinkies if they were toy man weapons they absolutely would be but yeah they're just like metal coils that you throw on someone and they just continuously like contract themselves around a person did we see toy man in the future no i feel like he would be a great like 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 we we mentioned the the joker as being you know the subordinates of joker mm-hmm. i would love like an army of toy men supporters. Do you think toy man ever got enough like cultural awareness to warn a bunch of henchmen? Cause like, well, I mean, we know what we know what they would be. They, they'd be our current incels. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's it's, absolutely true. Yeah. The future, the future version is like, there's like an in-between toy man where it becomes a game designer. Yes. And then you have all these kids coming up. It's like you don't understand the real meaning of this game. That's like only we get this game. Actually, I think I think you're right. I think there is a, a toy man gang in the future in Metropolis. We just never get a chance to see them because they're all working from a basement somewhere on their computers. Yeah. And they're they're, they're all thing in that just, arcade. Yeah. They're just trolls. Yeah. They never build anything, they never do anything. They're just constantly trolling people everywhere. Yeah, just talking about how mad they are at everything. <laughs> They're out there on fan boards complaining about how much they hate, uh, like, Defenders of the Cosmos or whatever the, the, the in-universe Star Wars movie was from Batman Beyond. Uh, I also think this episode may have given us the, uh, the best yet pop culture reference um, when Static says, who do you think it was? Beyonce. But he doesn't say Beyonce. He says Beyonce. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. And then the Terry follows along with it. Yeah. Says, you He's... know him? He says his name is Beyonce. Yeah. I loved that line. Yeah. But I mean, you know, we haven't even talked about Cobra, but their whole thing is pretty minimal. It's like they're just basically doing a prison exchange between um, Static and the the leader of the, the Cobra gang. Um, it's like the the villain plot here is pretty minimal. It's mostly just there as a, a justification to kind of put these characters together. But I, I'm glad they did this episode, though. It's it's um, it was fun. I, I don't think it's quite as strong as the Once in the Future thing, which I also think is two of like the best episodes of JLU. Yeah, and I also don't think it's as strong as Hard as Nails, which I think was the better. Yeah. I think it's the best crossover we get. Yeah, and that has the added benefit of Harley and Ivy, who are just two really fantastic, charismatic villains. Uh, all right, should we talk about Shabak? Let's do it. Uh, what a weird episode name. Maybe one of the best episodes names? No. I mean... I love it because it's a pun, but also I hate it. Is it a pun? How is it a pun? It's not Explain shebang, to me it's what? shebak. That's not a pun. Yeah, it is. It's wordplay. I don't think that that's replacing one word with another word. It's wordplay, You're not Cameron. like thinking it's it's the other word. It's a pun. I, I don't, I will not consider this a pun. Yes, it I is. I consider this lazy wordplay. Because if in the episode, and I'm sad no one did this, if in the episode someone went, oh my god, it's Shebang, yeah, she's Shebek, then it would have been a pun. 
then name the title she's Shabak. <laughs> we fixed it. Yes. Look, I'm not disagreeing that it's lazy wordplay. It is lazy wordplay, but I love it. And also, it's still a pun. Um, but, I mean, actually, maybe the episode should have been called They Back. Because it also sees return of Madeline Spaulding, uh, who at one point could control people's brains with uh, telepathy. Now she has telekinesis and wants revenge on Static. Um, but she returns along with Shebang, who is no longer on the run and wants to finally live her uh, most authentic life. But the reappearance of both of them causes friction in their respective groups, the Metabreed and the Dakota duo, slash maybe now the Dakota trio. Yeah, it's 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 really, and we we hinted at this at the top of the episode um it's a really shitty episode for for shebang yeah because she realizes like now that she gets to be her authentic self that people don't like her authentic self and and i like i think there is there is an interesting idea to explore there right like this is a, a girl who has been due to outside circumstances like forcibly separated from people especially her own peers it makes sense she wouldn't know how to behave around other teenagers. It also makes sense that she, like, being kind of, like, genetically enhanced would be, like, smarter, more capable, and, and she has um, a lot of self-confidence. And you can see where she would have to learn how to be all of those things still without, um, you know, causing an unnecessary amount of friction with, with other teenagers. But they do a really shitty job because everyone just hates her. Yeah. She's, she's too outgoing and, and they don't really resolve it. It's like, so she shows up and she like saves static and then she goes front and center in front of a, a, a news camera talking about how now she's part of the team and that puts, you know, static and gear on edge. Um, but then she also well, like she, she with, with the interview. planning the, like what is it like the the homecoming dance or something like that and so frida and daisy slash frida slash daisy uh just basically tell her she's not welcome anymore and they never bring that back around like she is totally ostracized by both her like her hero peers and by her friends and only one of those two things is resolved and only in a really lackluster way yeah like this episode ends and she still doesn't have friends Right, and we never see her again after this. I know it's really like, it's really. I think that's the most like disheartening part of it all. Is like we know it will never get resolved, and I, and I think that's like the the frustrating thing about Shebang as a character is there's so much potential there to have her be the the third member of this team, and every time she appears, they like tease at that possibility, and then they never really do anything with it. You know what she should do. Hmm. <clears throat> Fuck Static and Gear. Go team up with Rubber Band Man. I agree with you. I think she and Rubber Band Man should become the new Dakota duo. Um, Rubber Band Man has established the best superhero in all of Dakota slash possibly the entire DCAU. Yeah. Yeah. I, th I think they actually would be a really good pair. Yeah, because she's like a super gymnast, and I'm just imagining him just being her trampoline. <gasps> oh, my God. Think about how harsh, like, how far she could go. Yeah. She could fly. Yeah. That's true. She like he could stress out. She could bounce off of him, like fly super super far, and then he could like roll down the street and then like reappear and let her bounce again. And that's like, it. Would be like like the circus, like perf the perfect circus performance turned heroes. Yeah, 
they can do both. They can put on a show <clears throat> while fighting crime. Yeah. Take over as the Flying Graysons. <laughs> or sorry, take over the Flying Gr- Graysons act. Yeah, I was like, maybe maybe skip the name. I think that yeah. name might just be a little bit tainted at this point. I don't know what you mean. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of like naming a ship the Titanic, too. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. It just means it's big and grandiose. It's about to make James Cameron a bunch of money. Exactly, yes. Uh, I'm surprised James Cameron doesn't name all his ships the Titanic. For all we know, he may have. He like Okay, wait. I have nothing to back this up, but I really hope that James Cameron has a submarine named the Titanic because he is obviously like very well known for um, like his deep sea exploration and conservation. Let me see if, if... And that would be actually brilliant to have a ship that is deliberately supposed to sink called the Titanic. Yeah. It, no, his, his one is called the Deep Sea Challenger. That's so boring. Come on, James Cameron. Yeah. You can come up with better than that. Yeah, come on. Don't, don't give us a space reference. Yeah. God. We, want, we want your financial success reference. Also, uh, to be fair, and this might be a, a little um, tone deaf, but I feel like also naming things a Challenger is maybe not the best <laughs> idea. Maybe because... For the same reasons. Because <laughs> they both went down? Yeah, the same reasons you don't name things the Titanic. Like, like one, one out of just, like, you know, reverence. You know, it's like you kind of, like, retire the name. But two, maybe you don't want that uh, uh, association Yeah. there. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Starting to question you, James Cameron, your choices. Um, but no, like, I, what I found... Okay, so what, what what I liked about this episode was I did like um, the Madeline was back. Um, I mm-hmm. liked that she had new powers and the the in universe explanation uh, Richie got from a comic book where he's explaining that one of their favorite superheroes all of a sudden has new Particle powers. Man. Particle Man. Uh, also loved that that comic was a Soul Power comic. Yeah, it's the same one that he was reading in the Soul Power episode. Yeah, well that makes sense. Uh, you yeah, know, uh, save money in the animation, um, but also like. Because we talked about this at length. The more soul power we get in this universe, the better. Yeah. So, man, they just made the soul power movie. I, okay, so here, here's my question for you. Mm-hmm. So we see Madeline breaks out the Metabreed, parts of the Metabreed, no Shiv. Yeah. It's, it's Hodstreak, Talon, and Yvonne. Mm-hmm. And in the final fight scene, it's, it's, it's three one-on-one fights. Yeah. Would there have been better villains to have a one-on-one fight with for these characters? Yes, Carmen Dillo three times. Yes, three Carmen Dillos, absolutely. Uh, we have Static fighting Madeline. I think that one has to stay. Mm-hmm. Who would be... Cause I mean, like, um, Talon versus uh, Shebang is fine, but I feel like there's a better fight that could happen who would you substitute out there instead my first thought was kangor uh okay just like her whole thing is is okay um, yeah it's like bouncing off surfaces there's a a similar athleticism there that could make it interesting um and then i just had this like very fun gag in mind of gear fighting shiv actually yeah Uh, that'd be pretty good where shiv like pulls out one weapon and gear pulls out like a slightly bigger weapon and you just have this like Looney Tunes standoff where Shiv keeps like making something bigger come out of his hand until finally it's too heavy and that's what like crushes him. Uh, I'm 100% on board with you on this. They yeah. should have done it missed opportunity. Um, 
yeah, I feel like Shiv and, and Gear are like so because they're so opposite each other, but the, while they, also being like inventors, and they kind of play a similar role within their own group dynamics. I mean, obviously, Gear is a genius, and Shiv is you know uh, a moron. Yeah, <laughs> at, yeah, exactly. At best, but they also are kind of like the respective comic relief sort of of each of their teams so like they're mm-hmm. both like the jokesters of each of their teams i think i think there could have been something there about them just like like to your point like being in a looney tune style standoff that would have tonally worked for both those characters it could have been kind of fun uh or maybe like having shebang fight puff but you have to have puff and be- onyx what you have to have puff and onyx i mean onyx can be in a different holding cell and they only broke out the people in that one block i guess i mean i i was I was okay with it being Talon. I like Talon a lot as a villain. I do. I, I really enjoy Talon. I just, I feel like she gets the most attention of the kind of B tier. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think one, that's a good thing because as we've established, this show struggles with having enough female characters. Yeah. Um, it's a little on the nose that you have like the two female characters fighting each other. Um. Yeah, That that's why I'm like, do we bring in someone else yeah which i guess i feel like the that idea being a little bit tone deaf was at least partially undercut by having static going up against madeline so Mm -hmm. it wasn't just like a very clear like oh like only the you know you can only fight along the same gender lines um but also that fight makes sense because it's you know the lead villain versus the lead hero right um i don't i mean i i like talent i mean i i did think it was kind of funny that ultimately she's bested by a tire because yeah. like shebang just knocks over a stack of tires in the junkyard and uh, one conveniently happens to wrap around talent i don't know it, it kind of worked um but like i i, I liked that madeline was here i thought it was interesting she had a of h2 olga what Any more female villains I'm, I'm trying to think of the other female villains we have okay. h2 olga we uh no, sorry aquamarine aquamarina yeah Damn it. we haven't even gotten to aquamarina yet have we not? I mean, I know she's coming up in the season in one of the episodes, but I don't. I feel like she hadn't yet been a villain so far. Oh, I guess you're right. Yeah, I just, I, I just assumed we'd already seen her. Come on, Cameron, man, you're. you're we re- talk about her so much. You talk about her so much because <laughs> you just—it's such a quick. Don't put the segue. We're, we're such a, a quick segue here, into H2 Olga. That's why you bring her up all the time. So, Danny Phantom. You don't even want to talk about Aquamaria. That's true. Yeah, but uh, like I, I did think it's interesting that Madeline's new costume is basically just like Sally's look from the Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah, I don't know. That felt a little bit weird and lazy, and I'm not quite sure where that was coming from. Um, but I, there's some interesting stuff in here. Like it's interesting to see Ebon being challenged in his authority by, by Madeline. Um, I just feel like this episode had pretty shitty messaging yeah like because madeline is an interesting character because she is super powerful but she's also really arrogant and as we've seen from her last appearance she wants things done her way and that goes at odds against ebon who is dismissive of her essentially because she's just like an annoying teenage girl and there could have been some good room to have that be a, you know, um, 
like a, a mirror relationship to what was going on with shebang and static. And you can see them maybe trying to do it, but because they so thoroughly botched the storyline with shebang of having everyone hate her for being so overbearing, but then not really ever addressing that. Like the thing that upset me most with this episode is that gear and static never apologize. Right. They never apologize. They never, not only do they not apologize, but they don't even have a moment where say like they're at school and, you know, Virgil maybe makes a comment when they're planning for the dance. Like, Hey, like, actually I think, you know, uh, Shanice had a really good idea. Why don't we go ahead and do that? And when he kind of gets, you know, a look from um, Frida and Daisy, he pushes back a little bit to kind of like defend her. Like, I feel like that sort of moment would have been really necessary because otherwise she's just treated the entire episode as this like overbearing girl. And then, everyone is justified in their um, frustration with it. And then she's the one who has to apologize in the end for being overbearing. I'm like, right. This is maybe not the right way to go with this. Yeah. I, I definitely see like, like, yeah, like exactly like you mentioned, like the parallels they attempted. Cause maybe I, I, I don't know how you do it. Cause they're not really the same character enough to have that parallel. Unless you have like, shebang joined the meta breed which would just feel very tonally wrong yeah and, and i and think, then see that like the fighting there is the exact same fighting that happened between her and static i mean what i feel like happened here and uh, you know i'm just uh, making assumptions based on maybe what the, the writing methodology here was but i feel like they wanted to bring shebang back um they wanted her to be a source of conflict within that trio. They maybe want to come up with a reason why she wasn't going to be there. And so they're like, okay, well she finally gets to be herself. So maybe her personality is just like, comes on a little bit strong. And then they realize, Oh, Hey, we had another character like this in Madeline Spaulding. Why don't we go ahead and bring her back and have her be, um, you know, a, re- a reflection of what Shebang is going through. I feel like that was the, the thinking in that process. And I feel like you could almost keep everything that happens with Madeline the same. I think all it took and, and you know shebang still does learn that maybe she was just coming on like a little bit strong which is fine because that's a lesson she would eventually have to learn anyways and that's part of her reintegration into a normal life that arc totally makes sense i think literally all you needed to do was have one more scene where static and gear also apologize for not being welcoming and supportive and even acknowledge that, hey like you know we get like we totally didn't think about the fact like you're not used to being a normal teenager and like, you know, we should have been more supportive. Like we're the only ones who know your story. We should have been standing up for you rather than pushing you away. And even just having that conversation would almost kind of set up the idea that going forward, they're probably going to help defend Shanice with the other teenagers as well. And I feel like that would have resolved this in a, in a way that would have made it feel a little bit less, um, like obtuse and like passively misogynist. Yeah, I, I think I agree with you. I, I I think it can be an easy as easy as the last shot is them all having lunch in school. Shanice kind of looking around for a table. She sees the group, you know, the the homecoming table. Yeah, and she starts walking the other way, and Static or Virgil's like, "Hey, no, come on, we we can make room." Yeah, and then you know they go and sit, and then they all just kind of you pan out as they all just kind of start talking into nonsense. Yeah. It it just needed like a button to make the message land. Um, Yeah. Because 
otherwise what this sort of reminds me of, and we talked about it last week was that, um, that video and I had, I had the name wrong. It was the adorable misogyny of the big bang theory, uh, not yes. the subtle misogyny. Um, cause I was, I was messaging with Ashley Clark and she made a comment about how that show is not subtle at all. It's misogyny. She's a hundred percent. I think, I think I was the one that said subtle cause that was just the first word that popped in my head. Yeah, exactly. But like, it kind of reminds me of that a little bit. It's, it's kind of a similar story here. I mean, it's nowhere near as problematic because that episode is basically about like unwanted sexual advances and it's ultimately the, you know, the female character that has to apologize for it. But yeah. it's similar here that this episode kind of remind me of that just a little bit, which is a shame. Uh, yeah. And it's a very much a shame that that's how we're left with Shebang and Shanice. I mean, would you have wanted her to become like a full team member and have her be in like a handful of more episodes throughout no, the rest have of the her season? Be, have her be the rubber band man mm-hmm. where she isn't like, maybe she, even at the end, she's like, I'm so glad you guys only back on the team, but I realized that I need to do this by myself for a little bit. And let okay, her be yeah. an independent hero for for like accept their apology. Mm-hmm. Be like, thank you, but you know, I feel like I should be doing kind of my own thing right now. And then they kind of bring her in. They're all still in school together. Uh, maybe she even gets a job at the community center. Yeah. Uh, so we can see like Shanice a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um. And then, yeah, she, she comes in for, like, team-up episodes. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's really disappointing because I feel like every episode she's been in, all three of them, there's the potential there they never fully capitalize on. Yeah, I agree. And, and it's really quite a shame because I think there is a really interesting character and interesting dynamic there, but they just didn't they didn't go. And, and I don't know if maybe because this show is so focused on particular the friendship between static and Richie, like that's kind of the most consistent thing around which the show is built um you know i guess if you think about even when we had the the new batman adventures you were able to kind of treat it more like a, a revolving cast of heroes because we'd already spent so much time with batman it wasn't yeah. like you had to keep doing batman episodes it was like it was a change of pace to be doing episodes on the other heroes and i feel like maybe here this show much more hangs on static and by extension gear that maybe just they never felt like there was room to bring in a third hero. I, I just thought about like, if we got an episode where it was just gear and Shanice or just gear and shebang. Uh, like I, I, I wouldn't want this to like be a bad portrayal of gear, mm-hmm. but it's like the two of them doing a patrol together. And she'd be like, Oh, gear, like where should we go next? He's like, Oh, uh, you know, I, I never, I never, I never decided where we went next. I never called the like, shots. Yeah, yeah Vir- Virgil always said we were going next. Call out Virgil like, for being uh, being the actual overbearing one of this. Yeah, group. I think that would have been like a very funny dynamic. I don't know if you can get a full episode out of that, but that, a that moment a certainly. Very, yeah, it's like a one beat joke. Yeah, so I don't know. It's uh, no, it's a, it's a little disappointing overall. But um, did you have other thoughts on uh, she back uh, slash they back? They back. They back. Slash, hey, she's back. Hey, it's her again. <laughs> both of them. I uh, know that, that that's pretty much it. All right, cool. Well, um, got a few quick notes and friends here since we uh, we skipped it last week. Um, so just a couple things. Uh, one, we got a message from, um, from good old Sam Gash of the uh, Ideal Remake podcast, also a friend of ours. Uh, and he starts off with, hey, I just want to say that Cameron is 100% right. Right from the beginning. Great. Right from the Done. beginning. <laughs> Thanks, guys. 
That's all. That's all we need. Right at the beginning, Sam. I, I have, I have questions. I have concerns about your notes here. Uh, but he says, "Floor, uh, Flora's lava is trash, but it's sort of trash. that's fun to watch with other people or, or in a Netflix party. Watching it alone seems like it would be torture." Uh, and he it said was. that uh, for him, JD from Scrubs is probably the most aspirational character um, that he saw on TV that wasn't like a superhero. Um, but you know, as he points out, he's a, a cis white dude, um, so he's, he's had you know the benefit of default and. I agree with those things. You and I both made a similar acknowledgement last week when we were talking about uh, characters that represent us on screen. But, you know, uh, like we said last week, I think it's the specificity that matters. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and I think specificity when it comes to terms of, you know, like race and gender and sexuality is critically important. We're seeing more of that. But even then, like, we're all different people and, you know, we still want to see a character on screen that feels like us. And that's an incredibly powerful thing. So, Sam, I'm very happy you uh, you had someone that you found. Yeah, with, with, with JD, I think there's also a really interesting thing about that because for me, um, it, it was kind of the first character that showed me that two guys can have, like, like a touchy-feely relationship. Mm-hmm. Oh, they can be, like, emotionally was, vulnerable with each other? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that was like a big part of my high school mm-hmm. it was like there, there are scenes where, you know, JD will ride on Turk's back across the hospital. And like, that's exactly what we did in high school. It was like, we had a game called backpack where you jump on someone's back and tell them what class to take you to. And you just, you just would, that's just, that's just how it worked. Yeah. No, that's, that's a good point actually. Yeah. Like, cause they, they had like a, a really like warm, meaningful, soft friendship. And, and one of the episodes I remember most, one of my favorite episodes was, um, I, I can't remember what the rest of the episode's about, but there's a moment where, oh, it's uh, Turk is doing extra shifts in the ambulance to make extra money. And JD's upset because like they're not hanging out as much. Um, and JD comes to the realization that like the reason Turk is doing it is because he now sees him and Carla as a we. And mm-hmm. it's like that moment of him recognizing that, you know, Turk now has someone else in his life who, has you know, that relationship is as important and in many ways more so important than their own and his like acceptance of that um that was like a really like touching meaningful thing yeah no oh, it's a great show, it's I, a great show. have you listened to the the podcast they're doing i have not i i kind of want to go check it out at some point i was never the biggest scrubs fan but i would watch episodes here and there and really liked it um but those two guys are so funny and the fact that they're like best friends in real life is just delightful mm-hmm. it's just what you want out of the world um, but so Sam also, uh, wrote in along, um, with, uh, someone on YouTube, Straw Hat Prime, uh, to tell us that two weeks ago, we were trying to remember the, we were trying to remember a villain that like just disappeared through the ground and we couldn't remember who it was. Um, and it was the, uh, um, uh, Ian Peake from Batman Beyond, the guy who used like the, the intangibility. That's right. To, like, he, he was like, people. he, yeah, he was like the Batman Beyond version of the creeper. Yes, exactly. And he kept using this device and it eventually started taking him over so that he ended up becoming intangible without the thing. And so the episode ends with him just like falling through the earth. That That's fair. Yep. That, that's yes. exactly what we were thinking about. Yes. So thank you, Sam. And thank you, uh, Straw Hat Prime, for pointing that out to us. Um, and then we, uh, we also had a message from Ashley Clark because uh, she wrote in about representation as well. And so she said uh, she's listening to the episode uh, one. CJ is awesome, by the way, which we can both attest to cj's the best Mm -hmm. um and she said that she first saw someone on screen like herself at like seven or eight um and it totally changed her self-perception and she saw herself in anne of green gables which was the canadian miniseries from the 80s yeah Uh, and she said that uh her grandmother had them on vhs and she was uh academically competitive self-motivated girl who didn't look like others um who didn't look to others to decide who she wanted to be she was just her 
um, you know, very honest, dramatic, and a strong personality. And no, I love that. I love that. Like, I love also Ashley that you found that character like seven or eight. You know, I think that's a hugely transformative experience to have. And the younger you have it, the better. It's a, a huge part of what we were talking about last week is that, you know, we all kind of saw it a little bit later on in our lives. And, you know, maybe seeing that at a younger age just allows you to feel more self-acceptance, which is really, really important. So, you know, happy you found somebody. Yeah. Have, have you been asking that question to other people no. in your life? No, I should have. Okay. Okay. I, I've been asking it to a couple of people and I've gotten some really interesting answers. Yeah. Uh, I asked my mom because I think that would have been oh what did she have to say she said Scarlett (laughs) O'Hara just the the person did she elaborate Uh, a little bit it was kind of like she was poised Mm -hmm. and didn't overly use her sexuality to get what she wanted but it also helped her get what she wanted yeah well also like I mean Scarlett O'Hara is a very determined character yeah. Like she knows what she wants and she goes for it. And I can definitely see that similarity with, uh, with your mom. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, and one last little thing here, it's not a notes from friends, but it is a, a shout out, uh, to James Strecker of the watchtower database. Uh, a congratulations to him and his wife, Jessica. They are having a baby. Oh, congratulations. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. They just put the news out in the last couple of days. So, um, yeah, little, little baby Strecker will be coming along in January of next year. Uh, and so very, very excited for you guys. Congratulations. So, yeah. yeah. Let us know what, uh, what sidekick, uh, he's going to grow up to be. He or she's going to grow up to be. Yes. Uh, or what, um, <laughs> I, James, I'm very curious if you're, how many DCAU names are on your list of baby names. <laughs> I've been seeing uh, a trend. Uh, going around on the line of parents lining up the three original Pokemon for their babies to crawl up and pick, and like that's gonna be their Pokemon for life. Oh fucking hell! And you bet your ass, if I have a kid, <laughs> they're gonna pick Squirtle, Charmander, or Bulbasaur. God damn it! Are, are you are you gonna like try and rig the system so that it goes for one of the three? Oh, of course they have to pick Squirtle. Of course, but like anything but else like, would be absurd, Cameron. It would be, but like think about how cute it would be if, like, as a baby, they have this Squirtle, and then when they're like six or seven, the Squirtle goes away, and they're given like a War Turtle in the morning. Like the Pokemon evolves overnight, and then like just when they're starting to phase out of it at like eight or nine, you give them like a giant Blastoise that's this it's bigger than them. What this giant pillow they can just cuddle up with. What, what I cannot wait for, Cameron, is for your kids to hate all the things that you love because they, they, it has been forced upon them their entire life. I think I told you my nephew, when I saw him on Christmas, Christmas Day, he came up to me and he said, he's done with superheroes and he's seven. <laughs> and I said, well, I'm done with you. <laughs> Maybe he said Star Wars. Was it Star Wars? I'm done with Star Wars. <laughs> I'm gonna say is g- given your history of interactions with seven-year-olds maybe you shouldn't have kids <laughs> i'm just saying no i'm a i'm a good uncle oh, sure <laughs> all right well that does it for notes from friends uh why do we move on to bat plugs uh cameron what do you have to plug this week uh so we have one that, that we're both gonna plug we, we briefly talked about it before yes uh before that we were still recording uh we both watched hamilton yes which is now available on disney plus uh, and it is magnificent. It, it really is. Uh, we both had the luxury of seeing it in performed on stage before seeing this here. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can say like it, it is a comparable experience to seeing it live. 
Yeah, I mean, um, I, I I would say actually that my experience seeing it on Disney Plus was better. Not that I had a bad experience seeing it uh, in person. It was totally good. But I I used to make the mistake of actively avoiding listening to songs from a musical prior to going and seeing it. And it's like I wanted to experience it in person. It almost felt like a, a spoiler of sorts to me. Yeah. Um, and that I did that against the recommendation of pretty much everybody, including you, who was like, no, you should listen to <laughs> Hamilton before going in. And I didn't. And I wish I had. Because I think knowing the songs ahead of time definitely helps because it gives you one a, a sense of the story but also just like how the music works and obviously every time I, I listen to the songs again i have a, a deeper appreciation for just how fucking incredible they are um but also i saw it up on um like towards the the front of the the balcony at the pantages theater and yeah, like, that's about where i was yeah, yeah and like and those are those are pretty decent seats but i think i think that hamilton does also benefit from being able to watch it with um, with close-ups and with some dynamic camera work because there is so much going on and it's so beautifully orchestrated and there's some really incredible performances, especially from the original Broadway cast. I mean, not to besmirch the cast that we saw, which was excellent, but my God, that original Broadway cast is fucking phenomenal. Yeah, and I, I had, I don't know if anyone that listens is like a super uh, dedicated theater nerd, but I, I did talk to some of my other theater friends and for people worried about like the camera work overshadowing the acting, uh, it is mostly wide shots. You're pretty much yeah. seeing the whole stage most of the time. And then the the uh, cuts to close up feel very organic. Yeah. And they're, they're, they're very sparsely used. Yeah, they're, they're sparsely used. They're well-timed. And I feel like they enhance the performance rather than distract from it. Yes, like, I, I agree. I, I feel like the camera work did a really nice job capturing the things that you most wanted to see. Um, but yeah, for the most part, it, it is still done in, in wides. And there's some, there's some also some cool angles they throw in there. Some unexpected angles is really good. Yeah, um, uh, it's great. Obviously, you know, if you haven't watched or even heard of Hamilton at this point, I don't know. I don't know how, how you've survived. Yeah, yeah. But if if you were kind of like, uh, I don't know, I don't know if I don't know who would be skeptical of seeing it. Um, you know, maybe you were holding out to go see it in you know in person at some point. I, I do think, like, yeah, if you have been waiting to watch it in person, watch this version. Yeah, I think so. I, I think it is, this, I think, stands alone well as a, a single piece of entertainment in terms of a filmed stage adaptation to the point where I legitimately don't know how they could actually do a proper film adaptation because I think this captures the essence of it so perfectly well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would be very skeptical of someone being able to do a, a good live action adaptation. Um, but no, it, it is absolutely beautiful and also probably um, the only acceptable thing to do to celebrate the 4th of July <laughs> this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's also a very, very good point. Uh, in a lot of ways, which is, uh, you know, how we celebrated this year was by watching it. Um, and it's it's absolutely beautiful. I recommend. Um, yeah, and, and if you are holding out, listening to the soundtrack, I, I say this is one of two musicals that i listened to beforehand that i think enhanced the performance what was the other one uh dear evan hansen oh, okay i could see that yeah i still haven't seen dear evan hansen but I, I... honestly i think the story of dear evan hansen diminishes how good the songs are okay oh interesting okay yeah because I, I i did not like the story of the musical but the music in it like ben platt's voice is oh, angelic yeah. yeah i mean there's that um no i I've become a convert on this where now I will actually like listen to the music ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish I'd done that for fan of the opera. Cause I was fucking confused with that entire thing. 
Well, but luckily you have multiple musicals, mo- movie adaptations for that one. Although I've never seen any of them. Neither have I. Yeah. As we were talking about last week, at some point I'll watch the Joel Schumacher version. Uh, but then the other thing I want to plug really quick, because it, it is, funny enough, it's it's kind of what we talked about a couple of weeks ago. I started reading slash listening to Guards, Guards by Terry Pratchett. Mm, yeah. One book from the Discworld universe of 41 books. Oh, he's, oh, it was only 41. I think you said like 60-something last time. Yeah, I, I looked it up before the podcast to make sure I got the right number oh, this time. that's it far is 41, more reasonable. Right? Uh, for those who don't know the Discworld verse, it, it's a parody of kind of... It, it's him kind of making fun of all the Tolkien lore mm-hmm. and the Lovecraftian lore mm-hmm. in this uh, like pseudo-comedic universe okay. called Discworld. Um, which I don't want to compare the the flat earthers to like the Discworld map because Discworld is a flat world yeah. that sits on the back of a turtle. Okay. Uh, that, that floats through space. Okay. Uh, but there's kind of six-ish uh, stories that you can you can enter into at any point in the Discworld universe. So I, I picked the the one Guards Guards which is about a bunch because playing we talked about security guards getting a bad rap yeah uh, it's about like three really shitty security guards in this fictional town <laughs> uh who just like hate their job and hate doing everything yeah and like the town had to they're so bad at their job the town had to like restructure their their crime to not be so criminal because no one was ever going to catch them that's brilliant uh yeah, it's it's very funny so far. It's mm-hmm. like half the story is dealing with the guards, and I'm I'm only about halfway through. And the other half is a a group of kind of Lovecraftian sorcerers trying to summon a dragon to take over the city, mm. uh, but they're all way too inept to actually understand how to use magic. <laughs> this all does sound very Terry Pratchett. Yes. Now, because you're listening to the audiobook, I presume. Mm-hmm. uh is it a who do you know who is reading it is it anyone of note uh i don't think it's an old audiobook okay and it's actually weird to listen to because there's no chapters oh just it just constantly going it just goes oh yeah that's interesting so it, it's just a one 10 hour listen oh interesting uh it does not say who did the audiobook oh okay well i just i was thinking given it's you know terry pratchett it may have been someone noteworthy like a like a stephen fry for example i would love for stephen fry to to redo it because it's it's the one from from like the 90s okay yeah so this one hasn't ever been re-recorded oh okay well also everything just benefits from the inclusion of stephen fry it absolutely including this very world we live in Mm -hmm. uh nigel planner yeah i don't know who that is no no idea. Uh, it looks like he did pretty much all of the Terry Pratchett books. Oh, okay. Well, good on him. Job security yeah. is nice. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> 35 years. Yeah. Perfect. Mm. Uh, what about you? What else are you uh, watching? So reading, my other plug this week is uh, a movie you and I watched on Friday with uh, the th- the third leg of the Burger <laughs> Fan Club tripod, <laughs> Shay Tully. Uh, we watched Swiss Army Man. We did watch Swiss Army Man. Cameron, you've brought up numerous times because, as you've acknowledged on the podcast, you worked on the social media campaign for it. So you've seen this movie a lot. You've talked about it a lot. And now you finally got to experience it with me. I've experienced it. I I can genuinely say I was disappointed. 
I did overhype it a lot. It was a little bit. Of, yes. Yes, you had overhyped it a little bit. But also what I had heard about it from beyond just you, I was hoping I would like it because it seemed like it was going to be just like weird. And I I do like weird sometimes. Um, and it is weird. It's very, and it's, it's weird. It's not necessarily weirder than I expected, but it, it wasn't about what I expected it to be about. That's fair. Um, and I feel like, because I don't want to go to spoiler territory on this, I will feel like the movie has a a strange relationship with its own, like, take on whether things are literal or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, maybe I'm just a little bit dense, and I, I maybe want it to be a little more clear in terms of like what's metaphorical and what's literal but it just it had a kind of a, a, a total weird line in that regard it's had a weird relationship with with that sort of balance um but i mean I, I will say it made me uh fall even more in love with daniel radcliffe who just continues to pick the weirdest possible choices and i love that he does that and they generally yeah. pay off um you know and, and again like credit to uh to paul dano who's I, I guess really the lead of the movie although it's primarily a two-hander between him and, and daniel radcliffe but um yeah it's really really fucking bizarre um i mean it's it's relatively short it's only an hour and 40 minutes it felt long for that i will say (laughs) it did um just because it it felt a little bit meandering i don't know it's a it's a movie that you couldn't tell if it it suffered from too much creative interference or not enough i'm not quite sure what happened there but I, I feel like it maybe wasn't a, a fully unique vision from the the filmmaker on it. Um, so it's not quite an anti-plug, per se. I, I just said, do what you want with it. It's not necessarily a recommendation, but I don't. I think it's worth seeing if you're curious about it. Um, yes, if, it, if it's on your list, go ahead and watch it. If it's yeah. not on your list, forget about it if if you have 100 minutes to spare and want a weird distraction i think it's worth seeing it's worth i i think it's worth having seen i suppose did you ever watch horns i haven't it's also on my list same it's another radcliffe movie yeah it's uh it's an adaptation of a joe hill story and i've heard good things about the joe hill story so uh, the the book i should say um not his personal story although his story is kind of interesting he's stephen king's son um Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so maybe I'll check that out at some point. Yeah, I think it's it's isn't it like the same story as Gone Girl? I don't but know. Uh, he has horns. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and I think they came out relatively close. Yeah, God. so I always got the two of them confused. Yeah, oh, Gone Girl so good, both the book and the movie. So I haven't seen it. I I prefer the book, but also like that is my favorite genre is mysteries. So. I'm always going to prefer the book to the movie, pretty much all situations in that regards. Mm-hmm. But I think that does it for us this week. Uh, thank you for listening, as always. Uh, if you have recommendations for stuff for us to check out or stuff you've been watching, reading, listening to that uh, you want to put out there, you can find us at Tim Talk Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail. Uh, you can find me at Lordifer on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, yeah, and you can find my art at Cameron.Dexter, and you can find my face at CamDexter underscore Adventures. Uh, boom, boom, boom. And we'll be back next week with uh, a couple, two episodes I'm super excited about, Out of Africa and Fallen Hero. Yeah, getting that one-two punch in. Yeah, some good crossover episodes. That should be a fun week. Um, but until then, thank you, everybody. Thanks for listening. Uh, bye. Bye. A superhero static shot. Woop, woop.
Our superheroes, dead exactly. <laughs>